0: Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Dave, the channel, Joined as always by the Stance to my bankman. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing?
1: Uh, feeling quite good about things.
0: And our very own Spangler. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing?
2: Oh, the smartest one. I doubt it, but fine.
0: <laughs> what do you want to be? Z? Zeth- you want to be uh, Winston Zetamore? You want to be uh, Ernie Hudson?
2: Uh, lady if you hire me i'll do whatever you are. believe anything you want
0: <laughs> okay so let's get into it the seahawks played a football game against the chicago bears this week and we could talk about a million things it was snowing it was whatever we'll get into the specifics of this particular game in uh in just a second i want to start with pete carroll's interview today uh, his his press conference Because he has some poll quotes in here that I think are going to get you guys really going. Are you guys ready?
1: Oh, boy. Excited, huh? This is
0: on on the Pete Carroll Radio Show. Here we go. I said, not one reason at all am I thinking that we have to restart this whole thing and create a new philosophy and a new approach and all of that. I don't think that. I think we've got the essence of what we need. Eric, how does that make you feel?
2: (laughs) It makes me feel like, uh, you know, that just sounds like a man trying to keep his job. Cause I don't expect him to say anything else.
1: It's how's just a tradi- people person. He's good with people. How does it make me feel? I mean, it, there's that's... like
2: no introspection
0: there. The, we just lost to the four and ten Chicago Bears playing a third string quarterback at home. To now, the third fair, string
1: quarterback is not a terrible third string quarterback. Yeah, he's the. It's the, it's the, the best.
0: It's the best third string quarterback. Boy, boy, howdy. But even even so, they were also missing their two best defensive players in Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks. Like, this is a team that under no circumstances, if the Seahawks are good and their processes are working and they don't need a new philosophy and approach, that, that, they, that if all those things are true, there's no reason we should lose to this team at home. Not a
2: single one. No, you're 100% right. But Pete doesn't have a lot of introspection when it's counted. I mean, any, any of the last, what, six years where we have struggled, where we've been really upset with the final result, he hasn't come out and been like, you know, this is what we need to change. He backs up everyone he has, Um, you know, he, he gives Ken Norton Jr. All the support Um, he, you know, he'll change offensive coordinators here and there, but I feel like that is something that he's forced to do Um, or, you know, the one fall guy he'll have. This is vintage Pete and a Pete that wants to keep his job. Now, okay, Kevin, quick, I got
0: those. I got nope, Kevin, I got a quote for you and then you can say whatever you want. You ready? Because oh, I, I want you to hear this. What I do know is that we've got a way of doing business and we have operated a long time with a real consistent approach and connection and communication and all that. And that's what I'm really talking about is I think you can count on us to figure it out and to make the choices and the decisions that have to be done coming from a philosophical foundation that we have and have established over a long period of time. That's really what I'm trying to get across. All right, now now go ahead. Respond to to Pete Carroll in general. Go for it.
1: Well, I mean, I think that it makes a lot of sense. Uh, You know, nothing says progress quite like stagnation which is why it makes perfect sense in a league that we all know never, ever has parody or changes that holding the same exact philosophies and approaches for a decade works for everybody. That's why so many head coaches have <laughs> that long of a tenure and why sustained success is the norm in the NFL. Wait, no, 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 never mind. That's, that's the opposite of true and a horrible idea. Um, Yeah, it's Pete wants to play a brand of football that requires your offense to never turn it over and your defense to always be perfect and your special teams to be clutch. And if those three things happen, you're the best team in the NFL. And we've hit the high side of variance for a number of years in a row. And we're designed to hit the high side of variance on close games. Like we have a sustainably above average record in Games that are decided by seven points or less and that's by design but the problem is that if you constantly design to win on a razor's edge then by the same logic a small degree of variance the wrong way for you or a small degree of change like your left tackle aging out of being extremely effective or your quarterback getting hurt for a couple of games Or your inability to get a running back that can both maintain success and health. Those are all things, your uh, defensive backs going down to injury. Those are all things that can completely derail your season because you decided that you want to give yourself precisely a 54% chance of winning every single game. It's like Pete Carroll is running in a race and instead of trying to just run the best he can and win every race. He has devised a strategy that requires him to run in exactly second place until the last lap of the race, at which point he will then reliably catch up and overtake the first place racer. And it's like, couldn't you just do the part where you win? Mm -hmm. yeah but but that's against the philosophy and what i was gonna say to eric is um i also know that you want to know there's a delicate balance between pete being overly loyal you also don't want jim moore jr throwing the kicker under the bus so like there's this whole middle ground where seahawks fans would love to operate yes
0: (laughs) i i I do (laughs) those might be the days okay so there's 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 a big trade trade, trader bags obviously like Pete Carroll is either going to step into some kind of advisory role after the season or something. I would be, or we're gonna cry. I, I would be absolutely stunned if at this point um, he was brought back uh, or at least the whole front office unit was brought back. If it's him, John Schneider and, and, and co if, if there's no changes at the top, I think it's a total, it's a total bust. If they just run everything back exactly like it is this year, uh, it's a big mistake that they're making. That being said, uh, there is a chance that they just bring Carol back. And I think that this, this kind of um, this kind of talk that there's nothing wrong and that what they're doing is working is um, it's hubris of the highest degree. It's him saying, Hey, you know what? We're the winningest team in the last 15 years. So I don't have to change anything I'm doing. And to be honest, like since that season where we barely missed the playoffs, that should have been a sign that the Seahawks needed to do some serious retooling or needed to retool the way that they were drafting because you could see it start to falling apart, right? And it seemed like they had done enough to kind of sustain the success. But that Jamal Adams trade, just going back to that, like I'm excited to get Jamal Adams on, this, on the Seahawks. He's the kind of player that we're never going to get without trading picks if, as long as we're winning. I guess we could have had a Jamal Adams caliber player after this season. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, hmm. but, but that's the kind of player that the Seahawks were having trouble getting, uh, the kind of defensive Uh, playmaker kind of guy, but the trade reeks of desperation. They gave up a lot of capital and the trade, we said this at the time, the trade only works if they make the playoffs both years, right? If you're trading two picks in the twenties for Jamal Adams, it's a justifiable trade. It's a justifiable cost. Um, It's an overpay, but not an egregious one. It's not an egregious overpay. It's just, it is what it is. If you don't make the playoffs both years, it's a bad trade and straight up, they did not make the playoffs this year. They, they are, it was a bad, so it's a bad trade. Like a, it's in yes, danger that, of being a top 10 pick. Um, And yeah, it is going to be Oof. a top 10 pick. I don't, I don't think there's any, doubt. I mean, we're playing the lions this week, which is a, you know, on the better end of matchups, but you know what? I would have said that about the bears as well. And uh, we, especially the bears without Khalil Mack, without Akeem Hicks and without uh, Andy Dalton or Justin Fields. But uh, yeah, no, they, uh, they put it on us. We, we, uh, we lost. So I'm, I'm not 100% sure where the CS go from here, but if if Carol doesn't have the stomach to to kind of put in the work to do like a full-on big rebuild, if he's not willing to do that, then they need to move on from him because that is kind of what this team needs. This team needs to – it needs to make a serious reshuffle of the deck of the caliber that that Pete did when he came in, and that means making some hard decisions like trade DK, like cut Bobby Wagner, like things that – um, to, are going to be very hard for a guy like Pete Carroll, who has established longstanding relationships with these guys to do, right? He's not going to have the stomach to come in to, and tell Bobby Wagner that he's done as a Seahawk, right? But that's a very easy way for this team to save $18 million and make big moves or, you know, trade him for a mid-round pick, right? To a team that wants a middle linebacker. Like those are moves that the team can make that I don't know if Pete has the, the stones or the the, where he's 70 years old. Hey, man. He doesn't want to go through a full rebuild. He doesn't want to go through a full rebuild. Hmm. He's 70 years old, but it's bad. We're and five in games decided by three points or less this year. Those are games that normally, like Kevin said, we win. If we were even three and two in those games, you know, I think everyone feels very differently about the season right now at eight and seven. We'd probably be in the hunt. You know, we'd be probably thinking about how we can sneak into the playoffs at the end here. Instead, we are 0 five in those games. This team, looks very bad and to be honest the heart of the problem might be russell wilson so all right we got to get in our camps here uh trade russ no trade russ what do you guys think uh, let's start with kevin kevin are you are you team trade russ or are you team keep russ
1: um so on last week's pod i said that i would be willing to go into the season with russ and not pete but not with pete and no russ so i i'm that far onto the island um just to kind of preface this so now assuming that Pete is out from the head coaching position and we have uh the decision to move on with or without Russ, I would be in favor of moving on with Russ.
0: Okay. And uh Eric Art, are you uh are you are you okay with trading Russell Wilson? Are you like is is are you Viet, M-
2: Viet M- I don't know.
0: Viet opposed <laughs> thank you guys
2: <laughs> i am not vehemently opposed to it i'm i'm somewhere in the le- in the realm of do it if it makes complete sense not some sense not a little sense not might as well only if it makes complete sense now when we were winning or close to winning four years ago i would have been like no this makes no sense there's an, i i cannot see a scenario where you do it I used to say that all the time you're like i'd trade them for the right package no one's no one's untradeable <laughs> For me, I wouldn't have done that four years ago. Now it's like, okay, are we going to get some really nice players and draft picks? Because you know, if you put Russell Wilson in a, like, if he were to go to Dallas for some reason, Dallas is a team I have circled. Do not be surprised if he winds up in Dallas. It's a big market uh, that could look as a step up from Dak. We could get Dak back. I'd be like, okay, I want p- more players because you know, if you put Russ in Dallas, he's just going to go off. Those draft picks aren't going to be worth very much. But if you put him in New York, pick a New York team outside of the Bills, and uh, those draft picks become nice. The draft Bills,
0: picks. the Bills are the only New York team for what it's worth. The other, the other team, oh, that's Jersey. not true. New guys. Jersey that's, teams
2: don't don't talk about Canada's team like that. So it it has to make complete <laughs> sense for me.
0: I I think that. If someone blows you away with a trade offer, you can think about it, but you need to have a plan and the plan cannot be, you know, oh, well, we'll get, we'll get someone, uh,
1: what blows you I away?
0: What starts a conversation? You gotta, you gotta get multiple first rounders or uh, three. I want three first rounders or I want a good young quarterback coming back. So like, you know, if, if us so say three first
1: round assets.
0: Or let's say that let's say the Bears come to us or the Dolphins. Okay. So we are starting with we're starting with Tua and Justin Fields. Like those guys, that's a great starting point. And then you can maybe come at me with a couple first rounders on top of that. That's that's where I'm I i want to be. I don't wanna be if for the or you know, you're the Eagles and you say, Okay, yeah, we'll give you uh I don't know, is Minshew under contract for them next year? So like Minshew and and three firsts, you know, like or Justin Fields and two firsts. Those are kind of the kind of thing I can I can start to talk myself into because it gives us a succession plan at quarterback. It gives us but what you cannot do is you cannot go to like, you know, Denver and you can't say like, "Hey, give us four first-rounders and then hand over four first-round picks to this regime that has drafted horribly for the for the last years." Yeah, you know, we don't and- want to end
1: up with Jermaine Fetty, LJ Collier, Rashad <laughs> Penny and right, uh, this
0: This team has fumbled (laughs) the bag too many times. And the other thing too is, is that if you do that trade, you're, you need to trade for a quarterback because do you know what's not available in this draft? A guy that I feel comfortable putting in as a starter at day one. I'm talking to myself into Kenny Pickett, like as we speak, like I, that is a guy from this next draft that I'm starting to really like, but I don't like these other guys. I do not, uh do not want
1: a lot of them have a pretty steep uh learning curve like if you look at the top quarterbacks coming out in the draft we've got Matt Corral out of Ole Miss who's coming from a system that has shown a need for adjustment um he's got a lot of physical tools he's probably the next most interesting guy to me uh you're looking at Kenny Pickett who's probably the closest thing to a ready player but I wonder what his upside is um, Sam Howell is playing in a system that is not remotely an NFL system and had a down season last year after having really, really strong talent around him the year before. I think it's fair to question him. Tanner McKee, if he comes out from Stanford, only did it for one season for a bad Stanford offense and only look good comparatively. And Malik Willis is a guy I think would need a season or two to figure it out as well. And he's stepping up from lower competition in uh, where he's playing in Liberty. So yeah, there's not like... There's, there's no Trevor Lawrence. There's no Justin Fields. There's maybe a Zach Wilson, but like we saw what that is. This I think
0: year. it, I think there's a lot of Mac Joneses in this draft where it's like, if this guy lands in the right spot, he could be pretty solid, but like the ceiling is not super high. There's no, I, I don't know. There's a couple guys that have high upside, but they look like, um, they look like raw. They look like Trey Lance's Yeah, <laughs> exactly where that's yeah. like, they need a little little bit of seasoning. Before yeah, Matt Corral
1: and Malik Willis could really easily, like they have a lot of physical tools. Uh They could easily end up being, though, like Geno Smith.
0: Mm-hmm. Geno Smith's a great comparison because Geno Smith has all the physical tools but can't put it together. So what I'm saying is I'm fine with trading Russell Wilson, but you need to have a better plan. And, it, and the plan can't be trade for Daniel Jones either. I do not like Daniel Jones. Do not. If, if <laughs> I said this in the Discord and I will say it in the recording so everyone can know. If the Seahawks trade to the Giants and we get Daniel Jones and three first rounders or something, I will not be doing this podcast anymore. I'm done. I, I cannot, I'm not going to watch Pete Carroll coach Daniel Jones. I'm, that is, that is terrible. And I, I will watch the games and I'll, I'll leave the Discord open. You guys can come talk to me about it, but I'm, I cannot put my voice on radio any, or on a recording anymore about this team if that's what we're doing. Cause that is just like, That's a mental, that's a mental commitment that I can't make to Daniel Jones. I hate
2: Daniel Jones. Okay. Wow. Uh,
0: Let's, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, Offensive hero. We all pick Rashad Penny, right? I, I guess, I guess you could say Gerald Everett too, but let's talk about Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny put in the work this week he is looking very good and you told me before the game started rashad penny's gonna have 17 rushes for 135 yards and a touchdown he'll have 95 yards after contact he'll force seven missed tackles like i'd be like damn man we played good in this game we definitely won right like that's seems like a no-brainer but no we we lost so uh yeah rashad penny is awesome and if i think kevin said it the most if we and we've i think we've all been on this train if that dude stays healthy he is extraordinarily good. Uh, I'd love to have him back next year, but you need a plan. You need a second guy that you can you can count on just in case. Because yeah, if we have like Penny and Melvin Gordon, I'm in. Sure, yeah, that's fine. Like great example. Just Penny and another dude. We need Penny and another dude uh, that you can that can tote the rock. And then DJ Dallas has shown he's kind of a good change of pace third down guy. Uh, Eric, I know you picked up Gerald Everett for fantasy this week, so I'm gonna go let you talk a little talk a little GE talk a little Gerald Everett for me.
2: Uh, Drew, so I picked him up for fantasy because I was like, I need a guy that I can stream because Travis Kelsey's dead. And why not Gerald Everett? He's consistent. He's going to give me my rule for tight end fantasy, which is eight to 10 points. He did so well for me in fantasy. Like it mattered. But. Wow.
0: Eh, eh. <laughs>
2: First of all, Jared, Gerald Everett, not a kicker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, so Gerald Everett, so he's been consistent for us. Now I will He had say, one terrible game. He's had one terrible game and he's had some moments, but honestly, you're leaning on this guy quite a bit. This is a great pickup for us, and honestly, someone you can not build the team around, but you can add to him and you don't have to worry about getting rid of this guy. It's uh it's a great pickup for us. I love Gerald Everett as a pickup. It's uh it's it's something we've been looking at in the tight end position. We've wanted someone who can block on the occasion, who could actually be a guy who will run routes and, you know, pick up the ball for us, pick up good yardage, and occasionally scores a touchdown. Uh, as a tight end, he's been better than Jimmy Graham.
1: Four
2: receptions. Four reception. Not in this game. Four no. receptions.
0: <laughs> four, How dare Jimmy, you? Jimmy Graham killed you. us. Jimmy Graham killed us in this game. Like Let's be honest. Four Four receptions, 68 yards, touchdown. All four receptions go for first downs touchdowns um great great performance by Gerald everett uh, i agree just having to, a career
1: year because he's given the opportunity right yeah, caught 40 uh caught 44 out of 51 targets for 422 yards almost 10 yards per catch and four touchdowns i that like the, the way the they use
0: him they line him up all over the place he played uh, of his 25 snaps he where he went out on a pass play he passed block twice he played 12 in the slot five out wide 12 in line as a tight end like it's just nice to have like a swiss army guy knife guy like that, that you can kind of create mismatches on, right? Like they got a short corner on the outside. And let's, no, jet sweeps. Let's one of them. Yeah. Okay. Gross. Let's talk about the, let's talk about jet sweep action in this offense. Okay. Obviously we drafted D D Eskridge to be the, the jet sweep guy. Okay. So he has uh, D Eskridge has one rush for seven yards in this game and it looked pretty good. I liked the, the jet action that play go back to that a couple more times, please. Like something, but okay. If we're, why? So we have this player. His name is DK Metcalf, and he's really good at football. And I don't have you guys watched any 49ers games this year?
1: Yeah, sadly, a couple. yeah. So,
0: so they have a guy kind of like DK Metcalf. He's really good at football. His name's Debo Samuel. And what I they do, size, yeah. what they do though, is they are like, hey, what are some ways that we can be creative and get the ball in Debo Samuel's hands? So they'll do like little short short screens they'll do like a they'll they'll rush they'll just have him line up in the backfield and rush with him it's like nine rushes a game you know it's like okay that's cool do you know what the Seahawks do with DK Metcalf nothing they don't throw it to him they don't I mean they had two catches in this game one of which was very nice at the beginning of the game and you thought maybe maybe you had the same thought I did ah finally the DK Metcalf game is coming (laughs) <laughs> Joke's on me. Nope. No, it wasn't. Two catches, 41 yards. Like this guy is barely involved in the offense. Uh, this this makes You guys want a, a fun fact? You guys want a fun DK Metcalf fact? I don't feel like this is gonna be fun. Uh yeah, DK Metcalf, how many times this season has he had ten or more targets in a game?
1: Three.
2: Hmm. I'll go I'll go four. Yeah, two right. Oh. Your prices rise again. Two, and yeah, one he was
1: five for twelve. Ugh,
0: yeah, and six for eleven and six for twelve. Yeah, two, two of those games sucked. He's not getting targeted a lot, and he's just not. And it, a lot of times, it does feel like he gets he gets the ball forced to him a lot. They don't, they're not running special plays to get him open. Instead, they're just like, let's do a regular play, and just we'll target DK no matter what. I feel like they have no idea what to <laughs> or do. With we won't DK. target DK. It's like we have well, young. We have young Julio Jones on our team and they have no idea what to do with him. It's like a uh, tr- ridiculous. It's, I can't take it anymore. Go ahead. Well, it's, Anyone. Um, please say like, me.
1: The equivalent of uh, the equivalent of like setting him up. We're like, Oh, we'll make sure that he gets some targets in this game. What we'll do is we'll air it out. 25 yards downfield to him. Like that is uh, his average depth of target. He has, uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12 games this season where his average depth of target is over 10 yards. So that means uh, the ball is traveling more than 10 yards in the air before it is touching him um, on an average target. Now, yeah. as we have also said, it's, Broken it's finger uh is not able to air it out downfield effectively. Yeah. It's, so the only thing we're doing to try and get the ball to DK is something that our offense isn't really doing successfully right now.
0: There's so many guys that get high a dot that are having good seasons, but like he's not one of them. Uh, it's, it's hard. Our offense is kind of, kind of fundamentally broken. And so, and you know, the bad targets, but, but to but DK Nathan, it's a Nathan, part of that.
1: What? Got to remember though, Always the philosophy compete. behind the team the... is absolutely working. And therefore, we must continue to have that same philosophy Pete, going into Pete next Carroll, year. Because Pete Carroll has,
0: has laid a solid foundation. One where we lose the time of possession battle by 17 minutes to <laughs> Nick Foles and the Bears. Also, fun fact, their running backs are going to combine to do 30 rushes for 88 yards. Yeah, no, we're going to we're going we're to stuff them. It's we're going to stuff them ended, on every play run. Play. Defense. We're going to average 7.1 yards a rush. They're going to average 2.9 yards a rush. And we're still going to find a way to lose to Nick Foles. Uh, also, we're going to have a big passing play, like a big play, too. And we're still going to lose. This team is incredible at finding ways to lose. Just a, just a. I mean, they're putting in the work. I respect to Pete Carroll and his staff <laughs> for finding ways to lose week after week. I just can't can't believe it it's so good i mean i understand you got to make that second round pick as good as you can right because we don't have a first round pick because we're dumb so that's how you rebuild the second round picks (sighs) my chest hurts okay so sorry retool
1: (laughs) retool because we don't rebuild yeah so because that's the thing we had 23 designed runs those 23 designed runs went for 170 yards like, that's really good. Creed, we ran the ball really that, effectively. We moved the ball
0: really well, and it didn't matter. Watch, watching Creed Humphrey rip it up, too, while D'Escra just spends the whole season hurt is like, and we need a center bad. Let's be honest. Postage hasn't been horrible, but he's not good. And he had a bad, uh, he had a nice phantom hole in this game, and he's been hurt for a significant portion of the season again, uh, as he and is, we all he knew does. it. As he just gets we hurt We all knew Creed
1: year. Humphrey looked like a guy who was ready to step in and immediately be a solid or better starter. And he yeah, but, stepped in and was immediately a good starter. And th- we all knew it. Like, this Seahawks. was not surprising. This was not unknown. Would you be surprised,
0: though, if the Seahawks just took him off the draft board because he was left-handed? Like, I I honestly think that's some <laughs> dumb shit that Pete Carroll would do. Like, he, and it's something oh, that I thought about when no. I was scouting him. It's like, there's not very many left-handed centers that make it. And I literally had the thought, like, Okay, well, Seahawks are weird, and they do grandpa things that are really stupid. Like, they definitely might not take him because he's left-handed, and that's the only. Maybe reason. he lost the staring contest. Oh my god! Please, <laughs> no. But they they wanted to see how competitive he was, and he he didn't do so good in the staring contest. But Jake Curran staring contest, God. All right. Well, all that matters. We'll talk a lot in the offseason about what the Seahawks need to rebuild, but the trenches are definitely a problem on offense and defense. So let's get let's go to the defense, though. Let's go to the defensive trenches. And Carlos Dunlap gets 23 pass rushes, creates six pressures, two sacks, one hit, three hurries, uh, gets two run stops as well. Uh, Carlos Dunlap showing that Pete Carroll's rotations when he was playing him for eight snaps, seven snaps, six snaps, 17 snaps. Makes no sense, and uh, we had no idea what we were doing. I felt it like, took
1: was Kerry Hyder dying,
0: yeah. You know, we had to play more Kerry Hyder so that we could keep a guy who has now like what five sacks in the last two games on the bench. Ridiculous, uh, good. The good for good for Dunlap getting gonna, he's probably gonna get to 10 sacks on the season. Uh, he's really earned himself another like probably decent sized contract. I don't know if he totally deserves it. Uh, I think like. It's a little bit of it's a little bit of fool's gold. Uh, he's good, but not great. He's and he's definitely getting older. He's going to be uh, 33 going into next season. I think he's a, a very good rotational player. If we could bring him back on a team friendly deal, I would do it in a second. I have a feeling someone's going to I get think we
1: have on. a team. I think we have him for uh, next season on like four mil.
0: Oh, we still have him next year. I thought I thought Carl's in was a void year next year. Or is it, is it a void year in two years? Here, let's
2: go. Look. I want to let's... say we do have him for one more year. I don't think it was just a one year deal. Uh,
0: 2022. That, oh, yeah. We have him for six and a half next year. We're going to pay him $4 million to do nothing in 2023. Sweet. All right. So, yeah, I think Carlos Dunlap has a rotational end. We need to use him more. He needs to play. Like, he's obviously got more juice than a lot of guys that we were throwing out earlier in the season. He's creating a little pass rush. I like it. Uh, Raheem Green, Kevin. I know he's your guy.
1: Get, tell me about Raheem. Yeah, uh, that's right. Rahan Green is um, hes an impressive young kid. Well, and if there's one thing I like about Rashad Green, it's that he's versatile on the defensive line. Uh, Sean Green, um, you know, I said when we drafted him coming out of USC that he was uh, underage, so to speak, for a draft pick. And uh, if there's one thing we can say about Rashad Green is that he's come around. And, uh, you know, Ray-Ray uh, Green is really ready to contribute um all jokes so, about announcers not being able to get his friggin name right aside uh, he turned into the player that we wanted to see this year which is he was Quentin jefferson on our defensive line he could take snaps inside outside if he was one of our primary snap eaters on the defensive line he wouldn't embarrass himself in any situation he'd look good in several he's so, at the team leading sacks uh i don't know because it's eight it's
0: eight for uh It's eight for Dunlap and it is eight for Green. Yeah, they're tied. Yeah. So I played ten. He played ten at D-Tack in this game, then twenty-six directly over the tackle, and then he played twenty-three from from uh, from like seven tech outside the tackle. So, yeah, uh, really. Nice work from from Green. I think he's done a really good job this season, kind of becoming uh, a, what what we hoped, which was like a, a Quentin Jefferson type, right? I think yeah. our, our our biggest hope for Rashim Green was that he would be like a like a Quentin Jefferson type, and he's putting up pretty good numbers: twenty four run stops, uh, thirty four pressures, just a, just a real solid all around season for Green. All right, so I talked about Dunlap. Kevin, you got, you got your, uh, Rashim green in, uh, we, and we got green. so many guys cause I think the defense actually had a pretty decent game, but who's, who's your, who's your hero in this game, Eric? Right?
2: Oh, I mean, I do, you, we can go one real quick. I want to give a Talib to leave, uh, credit. Oh, no. Don't give him credit for anything. Ooh. He was so bad
0: the for one dead air. You didn't credit for how much dead air he
2: created when, when he wasn't talking because the other time he just kept talking and talk. I had to look it up. Like who the hell is this guy? I, I I feel like I need to in like first, him, and then in, the, go in the first minute of
0: the game, I posted in the Discord. I was like, "Who is this announcer? What is he doing?" Like it's like, was,
1: yeah,
2: it's so <laughs> weird. Because but, but he, he said just, like, like, Green's was name,
1: not helping him at all. He, he said would Rasheem just stop Green's talking,
2: name, which was so important because you know no one else could. Yes,
0: correct, correct. So you want to talk about Cody Barton's three snaps yeah. then? <laughs> That's because I know you're Cody Barton super fan number one.
1: You can talk uh, about those four pass rushes from future Hall of Famer Ben yeah, to me. I Sadly, I am a I I was a Cody Barton truther at the beginning
2: of the year, uh, not so much anymore. Uh, you know, a, a game that's probably won't show up too much on the stat on the uh, stat column. I get up to got to give it up to Jordan Brooks. Like agreed, a, a very solid game from him, and a very um, I see on some of these guys the seasons wearing on them. They know it's a waste. They know that they're out. Um, you know, Bobby, lose. Bobby
0: certainly looks a little checked out. Yeah, not gonna and, lie.
2: And you can see these guys in the interviews. They're starting to get pissed. And Jordan Brooks is young. He came here. He's like, he's going to be the heir apparent. He's going to have this amazing mentor above him. He's going to be the playoffs every year. This guy does not want to get used to losing. And I still see fire from him. And he came out, uh, had a really good game. Um, what he had uh, six tackles in the game. He didn't have a sack but I don't need him to have a sack if he's just shutting down people uh, in his zone like he should. And I just got to give it to him because I felt like, you know, Carlos Delive had a great game. Rasheem Green had a good game, but Jordan Brooks, very silent anchor of the team. Really Uh,
0: pulling a
1: screen crusher.
0: Big Mm -hmm. respect to John Reed and Sidney Jones combining for three pass breakups. Guys who got kind of thrown to the wolves a little bit. uh, Bears are a sneaky, tough cornerback matchup. They actually have. Uh, pretty good wide receivers. Darnell Mooney's been putting together a really good season. Those guys played a really solid yeah. game of football. I do not uh, – that's that's tough. They're, they've been, they've been kind of getting thrown to the wolves. Ugo has been a big letdown for me this season in general.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I really kind of had high expectations for him coming out of college, and he seems like he's just a special teamer at this point. Um, not a guy I feel like in the future they should be relying on to play slot cornerback. I would love to see him maybe go back to safety and see what he's got there because the slot cornerback thing's not working. And we saw this with Quandre. Quandre got worked early in his career as a slot cornerback. It didn't work out super good. Went back to safety, and he became what he is today, which is extremely good. And I think Ugo could be on a really similar career path where he gets back to his more natural position and becomes a much more... uh Uh, effective
1: defensive football players at the right word and they have very similar measurables (laughs) very similar college background like that's that's actually a really good comp for ugo amadi and i would hate to see him do that on another team yeah
0: it's what that's probably what's going to happen we'll we'll play him at safety because of injuries he'll play really good then we'll trade him for like a fifth rounder and and i'll feel sad because he'll be good again uh okay then uh Last, uh, gotta, gotta give it up for Pete Carroll. He dropped Puna Ford, LJ Collier, Al Woods, Alton Robinson, Carlos Dunlap all into coverage in this game. Great work, dude. Keep it up. I can't believe for some reason that you keep doing this stuff. Uh, Alton Robinson of course gave up a 16 yard reception trying to cover a wide receiver because of course he did like that is so
2: stupid. Well, what else is like, gonna We do? see
1: Nathan. It's because they have a working philosophy and foundation that has led to a lot of success and you know Oof. when you have that kind of a foundation, there's just not a lot of reason to change Kevin, when you, it. When you think David forward. Montgomery,
0: do you think pass catching running back? Because that's uh, exactly
1: Se- what I think of.
0: Because I don't, and the, that the Seahawks certainly uh, made me made me think that that's what they were. When I, I
1: think running I back playing against the Seahawks, I think pass catching running back. Exactly.
0: All right. So <laughs> yeah, the Seahawks get killed in the time of possession battle against a team that they have no have should not even be hanging in the game with us. Uh, it's just this was this was a peak. This is peak 2021 Seahawks. Peak Carol. This is exactly what we expect. Um, and uh, according to any stat service I look up, um, most stat services have like a variance thing, which is like what or a luck factor. Some people call it like basically like who's getting the best luck in the league, who's getting the worst luck in the league. And man, we are just crushing it and having the worst luck. It's like we are so good at. Having terrible, but we make a lot of our own bad luck, I feel like, with long, dumb, dumb, long passes and uh, just just stupid play calling. And letting every team hang around. And letting every team control the the pace of the game. Like, we we have no control over the pace of the game. The other team's going to have the ball way more than us. We're going to set a modern NFL record for worst time of possession, um, which is incredible considering the talent that we have you do not think that a top five NFL quarterback like Russell Wilson should be. We shouldn't even be in consideration for something like that. Anyway, this week we uh, faced the lions guys. Wait, the, wait, D- wait. D- D- wait. D- oh, go ahead. Jason Myers. Uh, missed a we got to talk
1: about all three phases. And uh, this is the part where I bring up. We all know Jason Myers is good every other season. So next season he will be an elite kicker.
2: Wait, was he good last season?
1: Yes, he was excellent last season. Um, oh, yeah. So if Jason Myers is an elite kicker next year, Would you rather a pay him $5 million to be our elite kicker next year or B take $1 million in dead cap for him to be someone else's elite kicker next year? Hi. Okay. Here's the thing. I love Jason Myers because he went on
0: Twitter today like three hours ago and he tweeted this. None of this is a topic. If I put the ball through the uprights, my job is to come in and put the ball in no matter where it's at. It's on me. The media needs to just leave this alone. Like he's out there just being like, hey, this is my fault. I need to do it. I need to do better. And that's the kind of self introspection that
1: maybe Pete Carroll could use. <laughs> so this is the opposite of a Jim Morris situation. The kicker threw himself under the bus. Well, the head coach is pretending everything's fine. Correct. Yeah, I, I like Autumn Myers as a person, as a kicker. I think he's great. Would you rather have him back as an elite kicker for five million or cut him and pay him one million dollars to kick for someone else?
2: I would like that is our decision. I would like to counter with: Are we just going to leave a bunch of dead money unspent, like we did this year, Kevin? Oh,
0: or are we gonna are we gonna spend uh, like seven million on a bunch of guys that should probably be getting four million, like we did this year? Also,
2: yes. That's uh, if
0: we think if we we could buy. Uh, think of think of all the Benson Mayo we could have.
1: Like, yeah, if we can, actually... I know you love Benson Hey, Mayor, hey, all, hey, but... hey, yeah, hey. I was about to say, like, <laughs> let's be careful who we're attacking here. Come on, man. I don't come over and talk about your family on holidays. Can, if... <laughs> can devs do something? <laughs> when if is we... the wedding? When is the wedding, by the way? <laughs>
2: <laughs> if we can keep Jason Myers, uh, and we, you know, we're supposedly going to have a
1: ton I of time. To I with De- Betsy Mayo. Thank you very much.
2: Cool, but it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I have no idea where this team is going to be next year, and, uh, I've, I feel like we're just going to squander all our money, and we're going to need that uh, five million. It's going to be terrible.
1: Okay, well, go ahead and make your segue now. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just it's
0: tough. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about Detroit Football Lions. Okay, I one thing I love about this team that they're, they're bad, but they have a really great head coach. One that I would trade for Pete Carroll. I'd trade Dan Campbell for Pete Carroll and Cocaine Heartbeat. Uh, and another thing is is that they try super hard every week. Like the Lions are trying super hard to win in a way that like, you know how the, it feels like the Seahawks have just completely given up. They're not going to have to try this week. I mean, the Lions are two and two in their last four games and they've beat the Vikings and the Cardinals who are probably playoff teams.
1: Well, they both both seem to beat us. Yeah.
0: So I, I don't know. Like this is not a gimme for this, especially for this version of the Seahawks. And another thing about this team. Okay. Is that they have very good pass catching running backs. <laughs> uh jamal williams uh if he's available in this game could literally kill the seahawks single-handedly like that they, they are um and is I mean, DeAndre Smith know,
1: still injured or is he back uh
0: yeah I, so i i'm unsure i don't know what his status i'll look is. that up while you continue and i'll look up the running back so let's see deandre smith uh missed his fourth straight game last year but Craig Reynolds and Jamal Williams played, and those guys are both good pass catchers. Like this doesn't. The thing is, I've realized is it doesn't matter who the running backs are; they're going to catch passes against the Seahawks. And uh, yeah, that's a
2: problem. We have we have problems, I guys. I have no idea why we're looking at to see if Swift's going to be back. It, it's not going to matter. They can they so can Swift burn the clock with finish. anyone.
1: So Swift um, wasn't declared out until late. He was limited in practice last week. There's a good chance he ends up playing this week.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, they're gonna have the full retinue of guys to uh, to throw to us. So, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. This is really bad, guys. We're we're in trouble, and it's super fun to me to uh, to to really think like, hey, the we're playing the Detroit Lions this week, and this is a team that I'm worried about because last week I said, I think I said pretty clearly. That we should probably be more afraid than the, um, the, the, we should probably be more afraid of the stupid bears, bears bears than, than most people are. Like I said, this is a dangerous team. The Seahawks Um, broke
1: Nathan. Everyone heard that.
0: So true. Yeah. And then what did they do? They beat us. And this is the Lions is the same thing, man. The, uh. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. I, I don't
1: know.
0: Okay, help me, help me, guys. So Save me. Here's what
1: I will say: um, Chicago is not a good team. Chicago is in that rung with um, Pittsburgh, us, Washington football team, and those are teams that we have struggled against. Detroit by qualitative measure, is more in the same tier as Jacksonville and Houston, the only two teams that we've decisively beaten this season. And that is the reason for optimism. Um, We know that Jared Goff is going to throw it directly to one of our defenders at least once, if not more than once. Um, we know that their defense lacks the ability to close out the game. Um, we're probably looking at Penny having a pretty good game, even though their front four is solid. We're probably looking at them not being able to get after Russ enough to stop him from connecting on some deep passes against their coverage. Um, there's a good chance this ends up looking a lot like the Houston game where for three quarters, it's closer than we want it to be, and it feels not so good, and then we kind of pull away at the end of the game. I think there's a really good chance that's what this week ends up looking like. That's what I'm anticipating. Fun. Yep.
0: Uh, Eric, what are you thinking?
2: Well, since I'm not picking the Seahawks for the rest of the season, out of spite and out of, let's face it, why should I? This was a gimme game. Have we won a game at home, by the way? Just without looking at the schedule, have we won a game at home?
0: Uh, yeah, we beat the 49ers yeah, twice, so we had I, to- know, okay. I was gonna say we know I know we beat the 49ers that's exactly what I was about to say. Because there you go. Uh, two of our uh, what is it? We have five wins? Two of yep. our five wins are against the 49ers. Hey, we're gonna finish last in the division. I don't think this has happened since the NFC West realigned. It's so gross. I don't
2: want to talk about it. Right. Don't, don't, uh, don't the, go there.
1: The more year. Mm, I
2: think that I don't think F- what year Cardinals was that? may have been crummier, Two thousand nine. Yeah, 2009
1: okay. NFC West. Uh, no, nope, Rams are one and fifteen. Yeah. Oh,
0: that's
2: the year that before they
0: got like uh, stupid uh, Bradford. Okay, yeah, we're we're yeah, terrible. 2008, man. we were four and twelve, and the Rams were two and fourteen. We. We are – this is the first time we're ever going to finish last in the division but for them. I guess it's possible we could still not if the 49ers lose their last two games to the Texans and the Rams and we win our last yeah. two games. Yeah, that's... Uh, Oh, no, 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 no. Stop we have 10, we have 10 losses. No, we have 10 losses. We'll be 7 I'm and picking, 10. They'll be 8 and 9. I'm yeah, picking the Lions game.
2: Yeah, yes. it's it doesn't matter. The Lions are going to beat us because that's <laughs> – it's just what I see, and why not? You already you mapped it out. The Lions try really hard, and we find ways to lose. It doesn't matter if Swift's back because they don't need a running back. They could put you out there, and then you'd find a way to zap you for two yards of carry and somehow time a possession at 40 minutes. It'll, it's it's going to be ridiculous. Lions over Seahawks, 42 to nothing. <laughs>
0: Okay. Get, well, the, get the, used the, to it. The score is obviously a joke, but uh mm-hmm. I guess what? I agree. I think the Lions are uh, are, are going to come in and they're gonna fight. And I'm I expect another gutless Seahawks performance where they don't they let the other team control the game completely. And so yeah, I'm picking the Lions in this game. Uh but it'll be close. Twenty one I know let's go twenty to nineteen. Kevin, what do you think?
1: Uh, I have twenty eight seventeen Seattle. We're gonna pull away in the fourth quarter, but it's just gonna feel like crap.
0: Yeah, there. Uh, it's not very fun to be to be a Seahawks fan right now. Let's be honest. It's 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 very depressing, and uh, and I don't really know how we fix. I don't really know how they fix it if Pete Carroll's not going to look at what he's doing and say it's bad. That's the thing that bugs me the most. If Pete Carroll's not going to look at what he's doing and say, "Hey, this is bad." Then it's he's a had pro- success it's a for
2: years, though. Don't you know that, Nathan?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's he's just lay, lay, laying on his his past successes. Very, very frustrating. So, all right, uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's let's get into it. There are many ways to support the CX Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head over to Patreon.com/slash Nest for those dollar twenty-four a month. Get access to the picks podcast. We got one more week left. Then we'll be merging the picks podcast into the regular podcast, so you can kind of see what it's like. Although I will say this: when we merge it, uh, the Schwam doesn't make any appearances. The Schwam stays behind the paywall, boys. He's got to get he's got to get paid. So if you want to see the Schwam, if you want to see what that's all about, uh, if you want to join the Discord, chat it chat up with us on game day and basically every day. <laughs> uh, get over to patreoncom Seahawksnest. join in. We'll see you there. Uh, it's a blast all right uh oh and big props to astro uh who sent uh, elliot who sent us a package from australia with lots of snacks and i was it was going to be our movie club this week was going to be you having to listen to us eat uh, on microphone which i was (laughs) going to warn you about so you could turn it off because i'm sure that anyone with misphonia would like want to kill us but uh the uh I don't know if the region is shut down because of there's like four or five inches of snow region wide. So we, we're going to put that off, do it another day. Uh, and they don't it.
1: plow around here or sand really very well. So driving actually is problematic.
0: Yeah. I think I could get, I could get over to you guys, but then that's a huge hassle out to bring all the microphones and stuff. Uh, and then
2: I guess the main I, roads look great. That's what I'm being told.
0: Yeah. I, I have a really heavy car also kind of like Kevin. Uh, so like, but i have four-wheel drive kevin your car's just rear wheels right well, i would take
1: the i take the rav4 which does have four-wheel drive but get, yeah, okay. the, the big problem is getting eric who lives on two hills
0: yeah. yes exactly eric's eric's house is a nightmare and Kev, kevin the hill that you used to live on we were kids man that hill is probably so brutal right now
1: well let's see it's uh entirely shaded by trees and it you know, spills so straight, it straight, onto a straight up ice rink onto a main road just yeah exactly confirm. it's
0: Spill straight onto a road where people are coming forty miles an hour around
2: a blind corner too. One of our Patreons <laughs> today said, Hey, do you wanna come over and see the progress on the house? And I said, There's no way I'm going out on this. And they showed me their house. And they're like, The roads are clear. I'm like, Oh well, that must be nice. Must be nice to not live in in this
0: on this next to this death trap like me.
2: We live on North Hill. I don't get it.
0: Okay. So let's get let's get into it uh, this week. We are going to do a movie that so I, I asked the guys, hey, did we do the Matrix yet? Because the Matrix came out and they're like, yeah, we just did the Matrix. And that shows how good my brain works right now. So we're going we're going to do it. I looked up movies that have New Year's in them. And uh, yeah, of course, Ghostbusters 2. So okay. Ghostbusters 2, <laughs> much maligned movie. Um, they very, very uh, divisive film uh, so. Let's let's start with uh, Eric. Eric, mm. uh, yes. what did you think? What did you think about Ghostbusters two?
2: As a kid, when it came out, I was like, "Yay, Ghostbusters!" I guess that was all right. And then, you know, as I got older, I didn't like it. I I thought there were scenes that I liked, and overall, the idea was fine because it went way away from Gozer uh, from the first Ghostbusters. I guess my problem is the end. It just it seems really weird and. Um, you know, like making happy slime and somehow the, the statue of Liberty is able to just be uh, commandeered and commanded by people controlling it with slime. Kind of, it doesn't, I mean, in a movie about ghosts coming and wrecking New York city and slime, this ectoplasm that is, you know, controlling the anger of New York city uh, in a movie that is completely unbelievable the i lost it with the uh controllable walking statue of liberty
0: does it bother you that e- there's an implication that
2: egon banged the mood slime uh, you know i, I <laughs> <laughs> does it bother me no because because at the time that's that's one thing that was funny and also you know peter's peter's reaction but yeah uh, okay no egon totally let's banged the mood let slime. me say this
0: i like this movie <laughs> about the same as the first one. You guys can do with that information with what you want. I'm sure that is going to be a, a very unpopular opinion. Um, it's a slightly worse movie, like the structure story, all that stuff. Like it's slightly worse, but I enjoy it a little more. I find the zaniness and weirdness and just everything that Bill Murray's doing in this movie to be uh, enjoyable. This is a Christmas slash new year's movie. So you can watch it on the holidays. Um, and, Yeah, I think that it's it's fine. It's this is a this is this people give this movie way too hard of a time. I mean, Bustin makes me feel good. And I think that (laughs) this movie is a great
2: (laughs) example
0: of why. Okay, Kevin, go ahead. What do you think about Ghostbusters 2? And then we'll get into some plot details and interesting facts.
1: I think that the problem with Ghostbusters 2 isn't that it's bad. It's that Ghostbusters 1 is overrated. Oh,
0: wow. So it's like you, you're thinking like they're Ghostbusters. OK, so I I kind of agree. With- I,
1: have, I have a three and a half for Ghostbusters one and a three out of five for Ghostbusters two.
0: I rated them both a three. Uh, yeah,
1: that's that's. Yep. I feel like Ghostbusters one spends a lot more time establishing the characters and therefore it has a more traditional movie plot. And Ghostbusters two has the drawbacks of being a sequel while basically being pretty much the same movie.
0: Uh, one thing I'll say is I I was like I saw a tweet sometime a long time ago that about Ghostbusters that made me laugh really hard that said like imagine thinking Ghostbusters is a sacred text that shouldn't be ruined or something like that and I was like yeah I kind of relate to this like it's a good movie I enjoy it it's fun Bill Murray's really doing a thing in these movies that I find super enjoyable but uh yeah why would love him why. They, they already the movies aren't that good that they you can ruin them. Like they're 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 fine. Did anybody see the new Ghostbusters
2: the the one with the, no. with the kid from Stranger Things? Nope, I didn't right. either. It's I wanted to, but then I just heard that it was a nostalgia fest that doesn't really make sense. I was like, okay, I'll just wait for it to come out on some streaming now, service. Eric,
0: I'm surprised that you said you weren't more positive about this movie, mostly because of Bobby Brown's involvement in the film. Well,
2: and I... <laughs> let's, you didn't ask me to write soundtracks. Do I okay. want the soundtrack yes. where, where, uh, what's his Eric, name? This is your off? Who is this? It. Where, where the, uh, I want a new drug is ripped off for the main theme song or do I want, <laughs> you know, the, Oh, Bobby Brown, this, this amazing movie of, uh, you know, uh, what's, what's he say? Uh, it's, uh, what's the rap? What's the first line of the rap? I know if you can get me started,
0: yeah, I don't know. I'm Is so it mad. like um if you want something bad, you got to give it your all or something? I don't no,
2: know. No, no, no. It's I'll figure it out. Just start talking. I'm going uh, to up and I'm going to interrupt wait. you.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh Ghostbusters 2. It's a it's a solid B. It's um it's a, it it's not that bad of a sequel. It's just as good as all the other ghostbusters movies i mean um, it's
1: hitting the same notes as the first ghostbusters movie it's still the same kind of concept it, of uh i like, like the that. supernatural world messing with the uh the regular world in this case too Isn't hot like to handle pool.
2: too cold to hold they called the ghostbusters in the in control they were throwing a party for a bunch of children while all the while the sign was under the building so they <laughs> packed up your group got a grip came quick grabbed the proton backs on the backs and they split and that's when I lose it, but I do have the lyrics to look it up. That's you know that's a memory
1: that's almost as good as Maniac Cop Rap.
0: <laughs> yeah maniac cop rap kind of shits on that which maybe uh, if, makes maybe a point against ghostbusters too. maybe ghostbusters 1 is better than Go- ghostbusters only, 2
2: if only i'd love Junior i kind of as a child
0: hot take i kind of like that statue of liberty walking thing you're,
2: too you're you're you are on like the dumbest takes <laughs> you are the hot you are the you are the skip bayless of ghostbusters reviewing, <laughs> both of you yeah, I got I got Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless next to me, and so
1: here's the thing. Explain to me why it's dumber than the first movie.
0: movie. I just did. It's there's a giant marshmallow taking, man that blows up in
2: the first movie. That movie's really dumb. Why is there a giant marshmallow man? Doesn't comedic, no. it's comedic a effect. It's it's comedic effect trying to find the most least threatening thing from the one member of the Ghostbusters who's this total goober, and a goober is my choice of words, but he's a dork. And uh we're all there like scientific dorks. This guy's like the really excitable dork. And so when he shows up, it's completely stupid and hilarious. Uh in Ghostbusters 2, I don't
1: <laughs> you've got So that when you, you're in the same situation like what's well, big and powerful enough to combat it? And no, like, that's well, not the why Statue they did it. It wasn't
2: it it's not big, that's not why they did it in the first one. This is like, well, we just need something big again, and we'll just just control it. It doesn't make any sense. Also, they got to rally the citizens and weaken the slime, bro. We got to weaken the slime. How can we give people every single Spider-Man movie has taught me anything? (laughs) It's that New Yorkers rally together and beat anything. Top that, bro. Uh, Also, can we talk about how there is a guy who wants to rape Sigourney Weaver's character because he's crazy about her and his boss was played by an actual rapist? Did you guys know that? The bad oh, guy I was about to say. Are you crew? talking about
1: Bill Murray in the first movie? No, 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 no. That's a uh, that's a oh. that's a different one. The different time that someone's going to. Are, are you talking about? Are you talking about Peter? Are you her. talking about Peter McNichol? I,
2: yeah, uh, I don't even know his name. The guy who oh. plays the the guy Vigo guy. The Vigo guy is a serious bad guy, despite the fact that he was in Die Hard. Um, no, the the Yanish guy. That guy's pretty funny. Da, yeah, that guy's funny. You, I was gonna
0: say Peter McNichol's not a thing came? in this movie. He's doing a thing in this movie. I kind of you know, like it. Yeah, you
2: know, when people say like, "Why are you here?" I immediately say, "Why are you came?" Yeah, and and
0: and I obviously say that's that's a, that's a point in the category of Ghostbusters 2 right there. Is that Peter Michael also doing I do, a thing?
2: I do quote uh, Bill Murray in Ghostbusters 2 probably once every three months.
1: Yeah, about, about Wilhelm von Homburg, and yeah, that is a super yes. messed up story.
2: I will, I will, uh, I will say to people at work sometimes, I worked with better, but not many. and that is that is bill murray ghostbusters 2 and and another thing too about
0: people act like bill murray like oh he only takes like the good roles he has things that guy's in that guy's in a marvel movie that's filming right now like give me a break i'm out give me a break
1: okay um let's not give him too much credit
2: they're running out of uh put in marvel movies everyone's in marvel uh
0: ghostbusters 2 if you okay we looked at a list of every movie that had new year's in it and man it is a Grim list. Was there a movie that stood out to you that you actually would would want to watch, Kevin? Trading in the Places. New Year's movies? Trading Places. Okay. Trading Places. In Tokyo okay. Godfathers. Tokyo
1: Godfathers. Okay. <laughs> but we couldn't watch that because Eric doesn't believe in subtitles. <laughs> that's no,
0: that's not true. That's not true. But I, I just said <laughs> I said there's no way Eric has seen this movie already, and when is he gonna that. watch it?
2: I was I was in the Discord when you wrote that, and I was just like, nope. Because okay, Kevin Kevin said that, and I was like, what the fuck?
0: So. Eric, tell me why you love Lady a uh, Rent. No, is there a new, is there is there a New Year's <laughs> movie
2: that you really love? Uh, I'm backing up Kevin's Trading Spaces. It's a kay. fine Christmas movie and a great New Year's movie. Uh,
0: Boogie Nights opens with a New Year's Eve, a New Year's party scene. I'm counting it. Boogie Nights is an awesome movie. Okay, fine. Uh, I'll
1: say Snowpiercer because it's the countdown to the year changeover when they pass the same spot te-
0: every year. Technically, a New Year's movie kind of a I said earlier when we were talking about I said it's a New Year's movie but also a no years movie I just want to give you a chance <laughs> to get through that pun I'll be
1: honest that's pretty good pretty good uh, uh, All right. the, the 1995's money train because somebody watched uh, taking up LM123 and white men can't jump on the same night and we're like why not make this one movie yeah why not all that's right for Eric single.
0: for Kevin we will see you next week go Hawks